This is Celebration Church, but it's more than just a building or a church. We have a calling to be a place where people can find a relationship with God instead of religion. A place where freedom is found and acceptance given, and every person can discover their purpose and experience the kind of fulfillment only God can give. Together we will raise, lead, and empower a generation to change the world. Here, Jesus is famous, and all the glory goes to God. This is celebration. This is our family. Welcome home. Good morning. Welcome to Celebration Church. Let's all stand together as people join us online as well. And let's recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith. This is who we are and what we believe at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Good to have you here this morning. Uh, for those who would like to give, and it's always good to give, Jesus said give, and it will be given to you. Uh, we don't pass buckets anymore, but on the way out this morning, you can put cash or checks in the buckets that the ushers will have on the way out. Or many people have signed up uh, online for giving, for recurrent giving. They just sign up, say, okay, every week, every month, whatever, two weeks, however, this is how much money I want to give to the church. And uh, you can do that. Or many of you can also use your phones. Go to the Celebration Church app, and there you can uh, push a little heart there. It says give, and you can put in however much you want to give. Push a button, and boom, there it goes. So uh, thank you for your continued faithfulness. And again, if you want to be blessed, you have to bless. <laughs> give, and it will be given to you. Uh, this morning, <clears throat> I want to read to you from uh, the book of Acts, A-C-T-S. This is... Uh, in, in the New Testament, you have the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, telling the life of Jesus. Then you have the book of Acts, called the Acts of the Apostles. And this is the beginning of the church. And this is where we see how the church started out. So we're going to start in uh, Acts, the 12th chapter. <clears throat> and it says, it was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church. By the way, if you read you know, King Herod, and then King Herod died, and then King Herod did this, and then King Herod died, and then King Herod did this, and then King Herod, you know, what's with the King Herod? Uh, they were all called Herod. <laughs> One after another, after another. <clears throat> so this is not the same Herod that, you know, was trying to kill Jesus when he was born and destroyed, you know, all the children in Bethlehem and stuff. So I don't know what number this is, but uh, they're all called King Herod. Anyway, so this king arrested some of the Christians, uh, some of the people who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. Now, this is a big wave of persecution that popped up uh, in early Christianity. Uh, it was actually used to scatter Christians all over the world, which just spread the message further. So initially, you know, they were trying to stamp it out. It's kind of like, you know, 
pouring gasoline on a fire. <laughs> well, we were making it worse. It's spreading everywhere. So this persecution comes, uh, and uh, uh, Herod had James, the brother of John. You'll read in the Gospels of James and John. These guys were brothers. They were two of the 12 apostles, the inner circle of Jesus. And uh, so James, the brother of John, was put to death with the sword. Now, you can imagine the impact this would have had on the early church. Um, you know, you can see things going wrong for some people, but the apostles, I mean, come on, you know, he dies, how can he possibly die? And I promise you, when James was arrested, the church was praying intensely for him. Not crying and hoping and wishing, but they had great confidence in God and in their prayers. This was a, a time of unprecedented miracles in the church, not because they were holy or holier than we are. In fact, if you do a study of some of the struggles they had in the early church, it's really rather shocking. These people were really a mess. You think you're a mess? Oh, man, these guys were an absolute disaster. I won't even go into all the stuff that they struggled with, but they struggled with so many things. So it wasn't because they were holy. I mean, what was it? It's that they had faith. They just believed. And when they would believe, incredible things would happen. And these guys are seeing unprecedented miracles uh, all around them. And it's one of the things that actually caused Christianity to spread like crazy. Uh, oftentimes, I'll listen to uh, some, you know, intelligent PhD trying to explain the uh, success of Christianity. Well, it's just I like had a new concept of God. No, nah, these guys are clueless. It wasn't just a new concept of God. Is that wherever these guys went, God showed up. Somebody had a sick granny, they would call for a Christian. Why? Because God answers this prayer. The Christian would come pray for granny. Granny pops up, she's well. That has a tendency to impact you. Let's all go to church. This is real stuff. And this is what happened everywhere. That's why I encourage people, pray for people. Don't be afraid to pray. Say, well, well they're not believers. Most of the miracles you read about in the New Testament weren't unbelievers. They were unbelievers. They had nothing to do with God at all. Yet God would answer prayers as people prayed for them. This is what impacted them. This is like God just made a big splash in people's lives. They saw incredible miracles. Uh, and of course, the more miracles you see, the more faith comes and you can see we struggle with these things because not a whole lot of faith today, but uh, the more you have faith, the more God will show up. So anyway, they are praying, and they are praying expectantly. This is what they do. God's going to do something cool for James. Something's going to happen. This is going to be awesome. We know God's going to show up, and guess what? Nothing happens, and James is dead. Now, this had to just blow them away and shake them to their core, and, and we're going to see in a little bit, actually, that it, it did really shake them. We'll see this in a little bit as we go along. But this is, you know, when something bad happens to you, it has a tendency to impact you. We all know this, right? But what you don't want to let it do is imprint on you. Because once it imprints on you, then you think it's permanent, that this is your normal state now. This failure means my life is a failure. I am now a failure, and now it will always be a failure. Uh, it's bad thinking. We were talking last week about some of the most successful people in history. If you read their stories, it's rather stunning what losers they were. They failed miserably over. Take five minutes a day and just don't do what I'm talking to you. 
but Google uh, Abraham Lincoln, the failures of Abraham Lincoln. This guy was a walking disaster. Everything he touched failed. He'd start businesses, they'd fail. He'd start another business, they'd fail. He'd run for a public office and lose, and another one, and lose, and another one, and lose. He was the biggest loser. This guy was unbelievable. In fact, it's stunning how he winds up as president. I, you know, I don't know if they felt bad for him after a while. <laughs> well, give him a shot, you know, nobody else is doing anything. And then he becomes one of the greatest presidents, if not the greatest president in our history from a guy who was an incredible loser. I guarantee to you, if most of us would experience just one third of his failures, we would have given up. We talked about last week as well, that these people that are multimillionaires, some of the most successful people in our, uh, in our history, much less even today, you can Google these guys and see how many times they failed. Some of them lost fortunes. They went bankrupt. They millions and millions of dollars completely wiped out and they went on and did it again and it happened to them again. We had a guy here some years ago. Uh, there's a bunch of people in the first service that remember this guy, but he was uh, um, from Australia. He's one of the wealthiest men, in, if he's still alive. Uh, it's been 20 years since I saw him. He was actually here visiting and he was speaking to our congregation and he's one of the wealthiest men in the world and tells his story of how I think he went bankrupt five times. Who invests with a guy? <laughs> I got an idea. Yeah, four times you lost it all. See you later. I mean, people would keep investing with him. And he would lose. And then eventually it stuck. Do you know why these people succeed when we don't? Is because when we experience failure, we let that imprint on us. This is who we are. And these people, they look at it and they say, this is not who I am. They doubt their failures. They look at it and say, this isn't me. This is not my life. This, something's wrong with this. They literally, we tend to doubt God. Well, these people doubt their failures. Goodness gracious. And they push through. They don't let it imprint on them. Everything about their experience says, you're a big, fat, stinking loser. And they say, no, I'm not. This is bizarre. And they try again. And they just keep succeeding at a very high level. Don't let your failure. I know people, man, I invested $500 once in the stock market. I lost every penny. I ain't never going to invest in nothing ever again. I stuffed everything in my pillow. Really? Because you lost $500. It was horrible. Shake it off, which was last week's message. But goodness gracious, don't let that stuff get on you and make you think you're something that you're not, just a loser all the time. But I'll tell you, the one thing about failure, when things go really, really wrong, is it will impact us. Look, I get that. It's devastating, and you reel from it. We've all been through that, and I've had that happen to me, but I don't let it imprint on me. This is not me. This is not my life. I believe God has greater things than this, and I push through it, and that's what you need to do. Well, Pastor, why do things go terribly wrong? I don't know. We can ask James. <laughs> Didn't go well for him. <laughs> I have no idea. It's life. It's just life. Things sometimes just go wrong. Don't be shocked. I'm always stunned by people who are shocked when things go wrong. They come to me and they're just a wreck because something went wrong. And I think, and they're shocked that it went wrong. I get the impact from it, but honestly, what world do you live in? Things go wrong. I get nervous when things go right for a long time. I kid you not. I kid you not. I was saying to you, I'm getting a little nervous. Watch. I said, man, we're on a roll. Things are going really good. And some, some, you know, something's going to come. It's just, you know. And when it does, it'll knock us over and I get back up. It's like, what do you call those dumb things? You hit them and they keep coming back up? Weevils? A weevil. I'm a weevil. 
be a weevil for Jesus. Be a Jesus weevil. And then I can, oh, it comes back up. Punch it again. It comes back up. That thing, it never gives up. Good preaching. Anyway. <laughs> Don't let failure create a new normal in your life. I hate that phrase. It irritates me to no end. New normal. All these idiots on TV. It's our new normal. It's our new. We're all going to live in bubble wrap in the basement the rest of our life. This is our new normal. It is not. Not going to be my normal. I'm not going to hide in the basement in fear for the rest of my life. I would rather die free than hide in fear. Now, that doesn't mean be stupid. And to be clear, I don't want to die. Uh, but goodness gracious, I mean, people hunkering down. This is our new normal. I'll be your new normal, not my new normal. Don't let failure become the new normal. Why? Because we had this terrible thing. Now it's our new normal. It's a temporary thing. Let's get through it, thank God. We're not going to be our new normal. Don't let failure be a new normal in your life. Anyway, Herod saw this and, and that it met with approval among the Jews. Now, this is not all Jews. In fact, all Christians in the beginning were Jewish. This is not anti-Jewish talk. They were all Jewish. All the Christians were Jewish. In fact, the early church didn't think you could even be a Christian if you weren't a Jew. They figured this out later on. It took a while before they figured out, I guess you can believe in Jesus and not be Jewish. So this is, it's just that it was the Jewish leaders, the power brokers of the day uh, who didn't like Christians. They felt threatened by them. So they were happy that he killed James. He thought, this is great. So Herod proceeds to seize Peter also. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread. After arresting Peter, he threw him into prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. There's 16 men guarding this one guy. And wow. Of course, there are tens of thousands of Christians at this point. This is not, Christianity is not some little small group of people hiding in a corner somewhere. They are taking over the world. At an, they eventually brought down the Roman Empire. Christianity, man, it's got an amazing history. People like to point out some of the stupid things Christians did throughout history. But, you know, there's some stupid things people always do. But Christianity had a major impact in this world. It changed the world. And, uh, and it's growing like crazy. So they're afraid that all these Christians will revolt and riot and come and try and free Peter. So they've, they've got him locked in this place with big iron doors and 16 soldiers and stuff all around him. And... Uh, uh, after arresting, they put him in prison. Okay, four squares. And Herod intended to bring Peter out for public trial after the Passover. <laughs> public trial. You know what that means? He's going to die. There's no option or possibility of not guilty at this trial. These, they were all sham trials. They'd bring it out. Well, he's on trial. I found him guilty. That's, that always happens to everybody. You know? So... Um, He's going to bring him out for trial. And uh, so Peter was kept in prison. But the church was praying earnestly for him. Now, let me ask you a question. What do you think Peter and the church expected to happen to Peter? What was their new normal? Peter's going to die. James died. Horrible death. Herod cuts him to pieces. Peter's next. You don't think Peter's thinking, I guess it's my time. We're done now. The church is praying for Peter, but they're struggling in praying, which we're going to see in just a little bit. They're struggling praying. Why? They've, they've got a new normal now. What happened to all the miracles? What happened to all the miracles? What happened to all the... Yeah, but now there's James. They're laying it 
create a new normal in their hearts, and they're praying desperately. The night before Herod was to bring Peter out to trial, which <laughs> means he's going to die tomorrow, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers. Now, that's impressive. You know, I know some people have a hard time sleeping. and I'm not trying to make you feel bad. <laughs> we all have our issues, right? But what kind of peace do you have to have? If I know I'm going to die tomorrow, I may have a difficult time sleeping tonight. You know, what's racing through your mind? What's it going to be like? How are they going to do it? Oh, I hope I don't cry like a little baby in front of everybody. I mean, all this stuff's going. It's just, it's brutal. But not Peter. You know why? He is covered with peace, waves of peace over him because he's learned to trust God. And you say, well, yeah, I'm not there yet. It takes a while. It, you know what it takes? It takes going through a lot of failure to get there, if that makes any sense. And then you learn, I can fail and I'm still okay. I can fail and I'm still alive. I, I am the kind of guy, my wife will tell you this, my former wife would have told you this, anybody who knows me told you this, the worst horrible thing is on the slate for me, and I sleep like a baby. Why? Because I know everything's going to be okay. You know? What, does something go wrong? Oh, yeah, it might go wrong, but it's still going to be okay. You just learn this after a while. It's kind of a learned thing. If you struggle with it, take heart. Don't be discouraged, but you will get there if you just hang in there. You start learning. No matter what I go through, it may impact me, but it will not imprint on me. It's not going to stay on me. Peter is sleeping. He's bound with two chains. Well, how do you sleep with that? Fast, I know what you're talking about, but I got these chains on my <laughs> It's horrible. I know. But here Peter's between two soldiers. He's got chains on, and he's sleeping like a baby. And sentry stood guard at the entrance. Even in the discomfort of his chains and the thought of his inevitable death, Peter was sleeping. He learned to become, you know who he learned this from? Jesus. Let's look at Matthew in the Gospel of Matthew. Very familiar account here. It says that Jesus got into a boat with his disciples and, and uh, his disciples followed him onto the boat. Suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was what? Sleeping. How can you sleep? This, this, these guys are terrified. Now, I have to understand, these are not weekend boaters like Marky. All right? And Marky only goes out when it's pretty calm out, which means Marky almost never goes out in Green Bay because it is what it is. Owning a boat in Wisconsin, one of the stupidest things ever, and I own one. Anyway, so uh, if nothing else, we just go sit on the boat. <laughs> it's, it's tied to the dock. But at least we're outside. And, uh, and uh, we're planning to go out today because, because I, I looked it up. You know what the chance of rain is this afternoon? Zero. Zero percent chance. The last time I went out and it was zero percent chance, I encountered the worst storm I have ever encountered in my life. Because I wasn't paying attention. Why pay attention? There's no way it can rain. That's what zero means. So I'm not paying attention. All of a sudden, my wife says, the storm's are getting, that clouds are getting kind of dark. I'm like, what? And I look, and, ah! I mean, this, and I got on my phone, and the red knees are coming our way. Ah! It, we almost pushed us and smashed us into the rocks. I don't believe 0% chance anymore. 
So I'm going out 0% chance, but I'm paying attention. It's like birds up in crivets. We have this little cabin. Birds are the nervous thing, most nervous things you ever see. They're constantly going. So what is your problem? They know 0%. That happened to Ralph the other day. No chance anybody's going to eat him. Look what happened to him. So that'll be me today boating. <laughs> what am I talking about? I don't even know what I'm talking about. Oh, so anyway, these guys are freaking out. These guys have been on boats on this lake all their lives. They're not weekend boaters like me. They have been through it all, and they are scared to death. What does that mean? This is one yo mama storm. This, you know, it's one thing to freak me out. It's another thing, you know, it's like when you're flying an airplane and the pilot's sweating. That's bad, bad. That's bad. <laughs> so these pilots are sweating, man. They're freaking out. Jesus is sleeping, and the disciples went and woke and said, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. And he wakes up, and he looks at you, you guys of little faith. Why are you so afraid? Be- because we're going to die. <laughs> That's why. They thought they were going to die. They literally thought they're, they're not chickens. They've seen this stuff. This is going to kill us. And what are you guys afraid of? So anyway, Jesus gets up, rebukes the wind and the waves, and it's completely calm. This is early on when they were first meeting, getting to know Jesus. They were amazed and said, what kind of man is this that the winds and the waves obey him? We love to celebrate the story. The miracle was that he calmed the storm, but that's not the lesson. We think that's the lesson. We think that means that when I'm in a storm, I just pray, and God's going to calm the storm. That's not the lesson. That was just a miracle. That's to show what God's capable of doing. The lesson was stay calm. That's what a lot of us fail to get, but Peter got it. He's been through some of these situations before, and you know what he learned? God's got this. They might chop me up tomorrow. They may not, but God's got this. So he's sleeping soundly. Then suddenly an angel of the Lord appears and a light shone in the cell. Ah! Now, my wife hates it when I turn on lights when she's sleeping. <laughs> because she doesn't like it. It wakes her up. A lot of people, they wake up when the lights come on, okay? Well, Peter's there. The light comes on. And, and this is pretty supernatural, right? A, they'd never seen a light bulb. And all of a sudden, ah! and, and Peter's still sleeping. <laughs> Even that doesn't wake him up. So the angel smacks Peter, struck Peter. That means Strike the person next to you. No, don't do that. <laughs> Strikes Peter on the side and woke him up. I mean, come on. The guy's in a miserable situation. The angel should have at least went, Peter. Peter, wake up. No, he smacks him. Peter says, get up. The angel says to him, put your clothes on, which is bad enough being arrested and sitting there half naked. It's got to be a drag. The angel says, dude, nobody wants to see this. Put some clothes on. Get some sandals. Peter did. He wrapped his cloak around. He said, wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison. Uh, oh, by the way, I, I missed the one. It says his chains fell off his wrists. So now, this is just weird. And we're going to see Peter thinks he's dreaming or thinks he's seeing a vision. He, he doesn't know this is real. First of all, he's in jail. He's going to be toast in the morning. This guy, and light, where's, where's the light coming from? <laughs> And he, he, and the chains just fall off. 
I mean, this is like super Jedi moment kind of stuff, right? And uh, he doesn't even realize what's happening. So Peter follows him out of prison, but he has no idea what the angel is doing was really happening. And he thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guards. Now these guards are at attention. They are there. They were not sleeping. They do not sleep. You know what the penalty was for a guard if a, pen, if a prisoner escaped? Death. They would kill you. They wouldn't suspend you without pay while there's an investigation. Now, they kill you. They kill you dead, man. These guys, nobody's napping. They're all standing at attention for fear of death itself. And he walks right by them. They don't see him. It's like, huh, what a strange dream he's having. And he keeps going along. And it says, they passed through the second guards. They came to the iron gate leading to the city. It's an iron gate. These are big yo mama gates. You just don't push them over. Who's going to open this gate? And it opened for them by itself. And they went through it. Peter's like, wow, what a strange dream. And then they'd walked about a block, a length of the street, and then suddenly the angel leaves him. He disappears. Well, now it dawns on him. Peter comes to himself and goes, I know now without a doubt the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me. He realized this is real. And he rescued me from Herod's clutches and everything the Jewish people were, were hoping would happen, which was me getting killed. So when this had dawned on him, it took a while, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where people had been gathered and were praying. They're praying. They're praying right now. Do you know what they're praying for? Peter. That he'll get out of this. Somehow do a miracle. But they're discouraged. Why? Look what happened to James. Look what happened. Well, guys, you've seen all kinds of miracles. I know, but James, he's an apostle. How many apostles are there? How can one possibly die? How, how could this be, have gone so wrong? And they're praying, going through the motions, but they are struggling. So Peter knocks at the outer entrance. And a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening the door. <laughs> Peter's still outside. And she goes running in. Peter's at the door. And these people who are trusting God and expecting a miracle said, hey, you're out of your mind. Where's the faith? Well, we got James. Look what happened. Happened to James. You're out of your mind. And then she said, listen to me. He was talking to me. I recognized his voice. It must be his spirit. This, this translation says angel, but it's, in other words, he's dead. Oh, Peter's dead. I knew he was going to die. <laughs> Man, don't pray for me if you know I'm going to die. <laughs> Ah, you're crazy. Oh, he must be dead. Oh, oh, bother. It turned out so bad. Look what happened to James. But Peter kept on knocking. And they went and opened the door and saw him. They were astonished. I would think they were a little freaked out. <laughs> Thought you were dead. Peter motioned with his hands for them to be quiet and described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. They said, tell James. James? I thought James is dead. Well, that James, this is a different James. This is James, the half-brother of Jesus. Jesus' father was God. But then James, uh, Mary, and Joseph started having children. One of them was James. This James actually becomes uh, one of the leaders, main leaders of the church at that time. And he wasn't even an apostle. We'll get into that someday, explain all that. But anyway, so he says, tell James and the other brothers and sisters about this. And he said, and then he left for another place. I don't know where he goes, but he takes off. In the morning, there was no small commotion 
among the soldiers as to what had become of Peter. They freaked. You can well imagine. After Herod had a thorough search made for Peter and didn't find him, he cross-examined the guards and ordered that they be executed. All 16 of them. You know, wow, crazy. So anyway, here's the interesting thing. Despite the church's lack of faith at this point, obviously they weren't being very positive, uh, God still came through. Why? Because God's teaching them. Look, don't let failure be your new normal. Sometimes you have James moment. But don't get discouraged. Simon Peter's coming right behind him. God's going to do something big, and it's going to be really big. Your life is not over when you fail. You say, well, it's my fault. Most of my failures are my fault. If it weren't for me, I'd be really successful. <laughs> but I don't let it imprint on me. So it's my fault. Yeah, we fail. But don't let that become your new normal. Don't let that imprint on you. So I did stupid things. I've done a lot of stupid things. <laughs> I told my friend, someday I want to write a book, my life story, from an ass to an asset. I'm still waiting for the asset part to kick in. Pastor, why am I going through this horrible? I don't know. Why did James get killed? I don't know. Sometimes things don't go the way that we hope, we plan, or we pray desperately for. But don't get discouraged because of James. Be encouraged because you have Simon Peter moments coming. And this is life. You're going to be filled with great successes uh, despite your failures. If you don't walk in faith, your life will pretty much be dominated by failures. And there's people, you can see them, the older they get, and I'm on the verge of geezerhood, but they're like well into geezer, and they're bitter, and they're angry, and they're nasty all the time. Do you know why? Because their life is absolutely dominated and dictated by failure. They never got to a Simon Peter moment. Don't let that happen to you. I know bad things happen, and I can't explain why. Why do they happen? I don't know. I think when we get to heaven, the first thing we're going to go is, ah, that's why. Because we be able to see things we cannot see right now. But don't let that be your final word. God is not done with you yet. Amen. I'm going to invite the ushers to come forward as we get ready to have our time of communion before we leave this morning. This is our time where we reflect on how any of this is possible. How can any of this be possible? How can God actually show up and do things in my life? Because of what Jesus did. You say, well, I'm a lousy person. I'm a sinful person. I know, I get that. Welcome to the club. We're all in that category. But Jesus Christ died on that cross 2,000 years ago so that he could forgive us. We could have everything set right in our lives despite our mistakes. Jesus said, this is my body broken for you. This is my blood shed for you so you could have forgiveness of sins. And this is what we celebrate. This is why we're here today, is we constantly are celebrating this amazing thing that allows God to be a part of our lives. Anyway, the Bible says before you take communion, you should pause and examine yourself. So I'm going to ask everybody to bow their heads uh, as I pray a prayer of forgiveness over everybody. Heavenly Father, before we partake of the bread and the cup this morning, and in obedience to the scriptures, we pause to examine ourselves. As we look at our own lives, if we've sinned against you, thought, word, or deed, something we did, something that we didn't do that we should have done. We ask you that you would forgive us of our sins, whatever our failures are. And maybe 
We've been stuck in James moments and letting failures just overwhelming us over and over and over again. Forgive us, I pray. Teach us to trust you in the midst of the storm and to experience your glorious redemption in our lives. And while heads are bowed and people are praying, if you're the kind of person saying, you know, I've never really experienced any of this, you know you can. Right now, just ask Jesus to come into your life. Say, Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. You can take your first steps of faith today and see what God can do in your life. It's a wonderful, glorious thing. And just see what can happen as a result. Anyway, amen.